Hello, and welcome to the 122nd episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, and dream about, amongst other things, video games, video games, video games. Uh, I'm Well, here we are for episode 122. I'm joined tonight... Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be appropriately polite uh, and talk about our guests that we're joined uh, by tonight. We're joined tonight by Lauren Stone and Travis Stout, as well as two of our regulars, Alicia Carapinas and Bianca Batty. Okay, how's everybody doing tonight? Great, good. Thank you. Yay! All right, so we'll go through and we'll do a couple of quick introductions. So people know who who is who, and then we'll have some fun. So Lauren, you don't mind if we start with you? Can you tell us who you are? Sure. Um, I'm Lauren Stone. I voiced Lily and Becca in State of Decay, and I'm currently a writer at Ubisoft Montreal. I'm the main writer on Rainbow Six Siege. Yay! Yay. That's a that's a nice um, spectrum of talents that you have brought mm-hmm. to bear. I did not be a shithead. (laughs) (laughs) And Travis, who are you? Hi, I'm Travis Stout. I was the writer on State of Decay, and like Lauren, I am currently a writer at Ubisoft Montreal, and I am working on For Honor. Oh. Do you guys have, like, contests to, you know, talk shit about who's working on the better stuff, and (laughs) a lot of shit talking, and... Back and forth. My stuff's better than your stuff. I think there's more. Uh, I've, I've always known that. I've always known that Lauren's a way better writer than I am. So no, I've just I conceded defeat to that a long time ago. <laughs> there is a man who knows the secret to happiness in yep. his own. <laughs> I love him. He's full of shit. <laughs> As you should be. Yeah. All right. Good. Yay. All right, Alicia. Who are you, darling? Um. Well, Alicia, that part is accurate. Uh, I'm a PhD student here at Purdue University, and surprise, surprise, I study games. I have also, I am pretty sure, written more about State of Decay than anyone else who is not actually employed by Undead Labs. That seems like a fair statement. Yeah, that's me. I did that. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Someday I will write a book. It's going to be great. Bianca, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm Bianca Batty. I'm also a PhD student at Purdue uh, in the field of literary studies. Uh, and I, surprise, surprise, also write about games. Um, and I'm really interested in the, the stories that games tell and how they tell them and how we interact with them. So that's me. This is all fun stuff. Awesome. Amazing. So <laughs> let's get started with our usual stuff. Um, we're tonight. We're going to do what you're playing and what you're drinking because those are always two very important things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we'll start again with our guests, Lauren um, and Travis. In your ample free time, <laughs> uh, what have you folks been playing? How about you, Lauren? You want to start? Anything good other than Rainbow Six? Um. Yeah, no. I actually just started playing Primal with Travis. Oh. So uh, we have a lot of friends at the studio, 
and we always try to be lovely and nice and check out what they've been working on. So uh, Far Cry Primal just came out, and we started playing that after the beta for the Division closed. Oh. So how is it? It works. It's good. You gotta read <laughs> subtitles, so it's helpful to like have somebody get your back so that you get story as well as not getting eaten by saber tooth tigers. <laughs> I hear that that's not a very fun time. <laughs> I yeah, until you make friends with them, and then they're your kitty, and you can ride on them. Oh. Yes, but the getting eaten part less. Yeah, no. Not so much. Yeah, not not here for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, back and forth too. Uh, inner studio love, I love it. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything else, you guys? Or is well, just all work, work, to, work all the time? Well, you know, in, in order to not be a, a you know complete carbon copy of Lauren's answer, um, <laughs> I'm I'm bouncing between Far Cry Primal and Darkest Dungeon a lot. Oh. Uh, that's kind of my lunch break game uh, when I'm feeling antisocial and just sit at my desk instead of actually going out and talking to other human beings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other human beings are kind of overrated. Yeah. They really are. They really are. You're all lovely, but most of them... Stop. I mean, obviously, we're pretty badass, but humanity as a general rule really gets in the way. There are games that you can play. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a mobile puzzle junkie, so that's my, like, crack. <laughs> oh, what kind of mobile puzzle games do you play? Um, I'm currently playing this one that's with pandas, and it's like a bubble breaker kind of thing. Oh, but okay. the pandas get attacked by baboons if you don't save them. Oh, so oh man! <laughs> it makes me really happy because I'm like my spirit animal is a panda. So <laughs> you play as a mama panda trying to rescue your babies from baboons. So oh, and then that adds they, a whole nother element to uh, match three games. <laughs> <laughs> If you lose, like, the baboons are like, I'm going to eat your babies. And then if you win, the babies, like, put them in their ears. It's very odd. Wow. And I'm pretty sure it has really racist music, so I never use the audio. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sam, I got I to gotta break in with something that we're going to have to cut, I think. Um, Lauren, your audio is going in and out for me. Is that is it happening for you, Sam? Um, it's a it gets a little tin canny. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm losing it completely at times. Uh, so I don't know. This is making me sad because this is total. Oh wait, hold on. I have a theory. Is that better? No, no, you sound very far away. Like you might be in Texas. Uh-uh. Yeah, now I can't hear you. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you do? I'm just having all the technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Is it still garbage? No, That's now we can hear you. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it, it it for me it's it's not dropping out. Okay. So it's like I, I, said, I just wanted to check and make sure you were getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for me it's not dropping out. It's okay. just I, I she gets a little tin canny from time to time, but I might be able to yeah, I'm not I might be able that. To fix that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I can still hear her. Okay. Okay. Sweet. Perfect. Sorry to to interrupt the flow, but I wanted to make sure that we weren't 
missing you. Yeah. No, making stuff work is what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. Uh, what's the name of that bubble breaker? You know? Uh, I don't trust my phone not to yell at me and shut us all down if I try to find out. <laughs> That's okay, I'll look it up. Yeah. Or to see if you knew. Yeah, I'll <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Alright. Alright. I'll turn it back to you. Uh, so, Alicia, what are you playing right about now, darling? Um, wow. I have quite a list this time. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know. It feels like more than it is, I guess. Uh, of course, I've, I played some State of Decay recently. I was replaying uh, some breakdown stuff. I, you know, I go back in my phases, and then I was getting ready for this. Uh, just got the Flame in the Flood, which mm -hmm. is, I think I'm not the only one who's playing it right now, but uh, it's a roguelike survival game. I've got it on the Xbox One. It's really pretty mm -hmm. in a surreal sort of, I don't know, almost cubist character kind of way. It's mm -hmm. really neat art style, but uh, it's brutal. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you, know, little, you play as this teenage girl in, a, in a, an apocalyptic scenario, and you have a dog. The dog is helping you. But you get these various injuries, and they become more life-threatening. Like, eventually, you, you'll get sepsis. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, and then at times, you know, your little avatar is just like crawling across the ground because she's starving, she's exhausted, she's got sepsis, whatever. And oh, then dies. slowly, yeah, you die. <laughs> it's awful, but I really love survival-based games. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like when, when things are going bad, I'm like playing like with one eye closed, like, oh god, it's so bad, but it's so good. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. There's a really old. Uh, text-based survival game that was, I think it was called Robinson's Requiem or something like that. It was about a, like, you would, you had to survive this, uh, like, spaceship crash on an alien planet. It was the same Ooh. thing like, where, like, if you don't remember to boil your water, you're going to get some kind of horrible microbial disease. Yes! Yep. And, Just and like remember, that. The thing that I remember so vividly is sometimes alien life forms would attack you and every once in a while, like, an alien bird would just fly down and pluck out one of your eyes and then you yeah. have to play the oh, game. Oh, with half of the screen black. Whoa, that's amazing! Blackout with like the left side of the screen. Like, well, you lost your left eye, so you can't see anything out of that side now. Wow. Uh, I need this game in my Robinson's <laughs> Requiem. You said was the name. That was the name of it. It's really. It's like late '80s, early '90s, like a really, really old text-based. B, uh, we must find this game. Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about it forever. We'll be like, and then I was playing, and then like my guts just fell out. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, feel, I really feel sorry for anybody who overhears our conversations, like in the hall. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I said, I know the uh, the other ladies are, are playing that a little bit too. It's it's really good. I highly recommend yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Not recommended is. The uh, first episode of the Walking Dead Michonne miniseries. Um, I'm not gonna pull any punches here. I found it hot garbage. <laughs> like re I, I'm really disappointed. My favorite character. I loved mm -hmm. the other Walking Dead games. This was I, I'm I'm insulted. And that's all I'm gonna say about it. I wrote about it. And then of course I've been playing some more Metal Gear Solid Five because I've decided that fighting a Sahelanthropus and running around with rockets and grenades in a panic, not knowing what the fuck to do, is a really good metaphor for life. <laughs> and also, Alicia... Every day of my life, so... <laughs> yeah. it's, very, it's very calming. And also, Alicia? Yes. Robot penis. 
Oh yes, and, <laughs> and there is a. It's it's actually to be technically accurate, it's a machine gun penis uh-huh. that is on a robot. Okay. Metal wow. Gear, yo. Metal Gear. Yeah. <laughs> Millions of dollars. So it gets hotter the more you use it. <laughs> as as it should. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. That's what I've been playing. <laughs> All right, Bianca, what you playing, Darla? Yeah, um, I've also I just started playing the Flame in the Flood today, so I haven't gotten to the. Um, Sepsis period. Don't worry, you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really like it. I think it's beautiful. And I like the music, too. It's, it's pretty great. Oh, um, I was really surprised that I like the music. It's got kind of this, they call it like a, a rock country fusion kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of but a, it sounds a lot, it sounds really bluegrassy to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I hate bluegrass music. <laughs> With the fire of a thousand suns, I hate bluegrass. I like country music. Yes, I'm a black woman. I like country music. <laughs> but I hate bluegrass music with the fire of a thousand suns, and I love this music. Let me let me ask you a question about it, y'all. Um, so have you gotten to the song that has vocals? Have you guys had that pop up in your game? Because I have. I, yeah, I did. Yeah, it's I very jarring. It. it comes out of like nowhere. I know, it's super I was masculine. Not the vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah, it's very dude centric. No offense. I would have yeah, I would have I was I was expecting that they would have had a female singer yeah. considering the fact that you know it's about a female protagonist and mm-hmm. a lot of the folks that have you encountered other people yet in the game? Yes. because mm-hmm. um, it, it's procedurally generated so that you get you get these random encounters, but a lot of the folks, with the exception of one. Who were who were? Well, I encountered the feral children, but the mm. only one of the children who spoke was the was the girl. The boy did not speak. Yeah. Right? He was more feral than the, than the other, mm. right? Um, but everybody else I've encountered thus far has been female. Yep. So it was really surprising when huh. the vocals popped on for me. I yeah, I'm wondering off it's, about that now. Then it's the Ooh. only thing to me that's felt like a misstep in the game. It seems really well made. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm I'm having fun playing that one. I need to play a lot more of it um, because I really like it. And Alex keeps like poking his head and like, "Ooh, this looks cool. I want to play." No, dude, get away. I'm playing with you right now. <laughs> Step off. Um, so I'm playing that. I played a little bit of this game called Anatomy, uh, which is a game by Kitty Horror Show. And so far, I've mostly just been like wandering around in a nearly pitch black abandoned haunted house um, which is sort of the story of my life because I can't <laughs> I'm like so my night vision is just the worst so I'm like this is my nightmare I can't see anything and then I stumbled to bed afterward in the dark and I was like oh my god my life is a horror game <laughs> like what is um, happening what's gonna jump out at me I don't know um, so uh, that's really interesting like how like it invokes the body when you can't see anything mm-hmm. um, for me, so I'm I'm sort of interested in how that game's gonna keep panning out. And then I've been playing a little State of Decay this week. I just started playing it after watching um, Alicia and Ashley play it um, and stream their play. So I have since started playing that a little bit, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Love killing some zombies or like hiding from them, you know, choose your own adventure there, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been playing this week. Lots cool. of stuff. Well, I'll jump in and say I, too, have been playing Flame in the Flood. Because um, I was the one, as I told Alicia, I was like, you have to play this game. It is so what you would love. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that I've been playing a little bit of and have been loving. Um, I, too, have been playing a little bit of State of Decay. Um, I've been playing for a while since, what, the year one special edition came out? Um, off and on. But I never stream mine because I am the world's worst driver. And you always make fun of the way I drive, and I drive just fine. I do. It's fun to make fun of other people. I was making fun of students in my class today. <laughs> in, my, in all I, fairness, they were terrible. They were terrible drivers. <laughs> I was like, I am the world's worst driver, and if I can say your driving sucks in a game, your driving really sucks. <laughs> uh, so I never stream mine because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> Um, but I like killing zombies. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's cathartic. It mm-hmm. is. It is. Like Especially it. when you got crazy shit going on at work. You go home, you go, I'm going to kill a whole bunch of fucking zombies tonight. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to drive poorly through a horde with the door open. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I just have to say I don't um, I don't recall which of our genius game designers at Undead Labs uh, came up with the idea of holding the button to hold the door open and it's smash so zombies heads in, but it is the, it is quite possibly the best feature in any video game that's yeah. ever been made. Yeah, <laughs> good. That's yeah, that, yeah. that moment when your door falls off. Oh. Uh, that is a constant, always surprising. Oh shit, moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now they're gonna snatch me out of the car. Oh damn! (laughs) You've pressed your luck to the extreme, and you're done now. (laughs) But even like when they tear you apart, that's a really satisfying animation. Somebody you're playing as, though, if it's somebody that you really like, then you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. Let me turn the game off real quick. Let me unplug everything. Oh my god! I hope the power goes out. I hope everything dies. Ah. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like some guy, you're like, whatever, look at my entrails. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I know, we, we, when we, whenever anybody streams, we like yell at each other mm-hmm. in streams. Like, oh no, don't kill Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> no one should kill Marcus. Mm-hmm. And not just because Drew is awesome. <laughs> yep. I wish we had. I can't remember. If, I wish we had had an achievement for getting Marcus all the way to the end of the game. <laughs> I don't think we did. You saved the black man. <laughs> no, because that never happens. You ended with who you began as, right? Like you made it through. Yeah. Yeah. No, Drew's great. I actually found him for the game. <laughs> oh, did you? you were, he is we, lovely. We, he is lovely. We were casting in Seattle, and they were having trouble finding black actors in Seattle. Who would have thought that that would be a problem? Uh, since there was three dudes in TPS, which is a Theater Puget Sound's book of actors in the area, <laughs> there were wow. three. Um, wow. Yeah, and so I went to some random audition and was bemoaning how it was hard to find an actor and met a woman who runs Last Leaf Productions in the sound and she's like I have a guy who plays Othello for me and I was like give me his number and then that happened and he came in and he's great and he's his background is he's mixed race, he's First Nations and I believe Caucasian and Hispanic and also an African American. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were like the two Hoppa kids who got to play a person of color and a white person in the game. Because <laughs> he came back later and played like some crazy, like super country guy. <laughs> so, like, yes, yes, you yeah. did. So, yeah, it's like 
all right, you have two mixed-race kids, and you're going to have them identify with both of their, like, ethnicities and our, how we identify as ourselves as human beings. Like, we get to explore both of those in this game, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. That is Wait, amazing. So, yeah. so who did you voice then? Because who, who did you voice... I did Lily and yeah, Becca. Well, I know that. So is so yeah. Becca's Becca's not white. Becca's Asian and Becca's been Asian, but nobody remembers. <laughs> I did not know. Yeah, I mean it's hard to tell because the the little character models are, are pretty small, and I yeah, play on the Xbox. Very so. close to you of anybody, but yeah, from from that the very beginning, awesome. she was she was Asian American. Uh, I'm gonna that, you know because I actually did diversity counts on this game, and that that changes my numbers. Yeah. Well, let me make a note. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, she's an NPC, but she's no, still it's, it's, She's one of my favorite characters we're going to talk about later. But, um, I, and I don't want to step on Sam's what you're playing, but, uh, you know, we, we've been joking that this is kind of like the game that was promised if, if the social justice warriors take over the world. Yes. Because it's probably the most diverse experience available. Uh, and, but I had I had no idea about Becca, so that's that's great. It makes it even even better. Yeah, and they tried to cast everybody ethnically correct, and so that uh, like, never happened. Right? Um, no. no. <laughs> yeah, and so it was one of those things. They were trying to find an Asian actress that they liked in town, and there are a ton. And I've worked with a lot of the talent there, and it's great. And we were driving to one of my Lily sessions. They're like, "Oh, by the way, you're playing Becca now too." I was like, "Okay." Cool. Let me go figure out what the fuck I'm going to say now. What her voice is. Oh, yeah. We're going to ask all kinds of questions. About that. We're really excited about that. Um, so let me go finish. Skylanders. I've been playing a lot of Skylanders. I'm still paying for the fact that I bought Alicia's kid Skylanders for his birthday and got my kid back into Skylanders. You deserve everything you get. I, I do. I do. I, I laugh as I am now driving around to every used store in town to find very specific Skylanders that they don't sell in the stores anymore. Yes. I had to order very specific on. Skylanders online for my now obsessed child. Good job. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens. Um,. I've been also playing um, Fire Emblem Fates Birthright, um, hmm. which is really interesting and a lot of fun, kind of. I'm, I'm having some I'm having some feels about that game because I had such hopes for it. I I never played the first Fire Emblem Fates game, so I was like, I'm going to play this one. And even from the outset, when they're like. So you're going to buy this game, and you're going to play the first six chapters. And I'm thinking six chapters in my mind, because, you know, you're thinking JRPGs. I'm like, okay, so that's like 50 hours, right? It's like an hour and a half. And then at that point, you have to make a choice of whether you're going to go with your birth family or your adoptive family. And if you choose the opposite of the game that you originally bought, they charge you 20 bucks to make you play. Oh, man. What? Oh, that's it, that's some shit right there. That is some shit right there. But wait. that is not a microtransaction. No, it's not. But wait. That's not it though. So you play that through, and then when you get to the kind of the 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 big the big haha moment in the game where you have to make a, make this final decision, you got to pay twenty more bucks. <laughs> To play the end of the game. 
But this is like driving from Montreal to Florida for Christmas. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's another toll. Like, <laughs> We're going to need to collect every copy of the game and burn that shit down because we cannot let this become a thing. Yeah. Wow. So it's like oh, you can make a decision about which plot line you're going to play. That's $20, please. $20. Wow. And now if you want to play the end, that's going to be another $20. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm again it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm I luckily chose to stay with the family of the game that I initially bought mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. I I could not watch a bunch of women running around with breasts like Dead or Alive beach volleyball and a strip of fabric covering her nipples all day long. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I, I can't watch my quote unquote sister run around like this all day. Um, so I had some feels, even though that was initially, I was like, I think I might like Dark Side better, but I really cannot handle the character models. Listen, I need to explain something to everybody who's ever made a game in the world, because <laughs> right? I know most of you out there are men. Um, let me let me tell you a secret about womanhood that will serve you well when you're designing women. Uh, we might not like our bras, but man, that sh- them shit's essential. <laughs> Especially if you got triple B, B- uh, boobs. Y'all hand out the bras. Yeah. Hand out the <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> bras and good shoes, not heels. Good mm-hmm. shoes. And the yeah. right bra. Because certain bras are not good for other activities. Right. No. no, I'm not trying to climb a mountain wearing some kind of skimpy-ass Victoria's Secret shit. No, but it's also like the push of deep plunge is not good when you're like climbing something. Because rocks get in there and it's not cute. Right. No. Yeah, no, no. Just like Especially the guy who was trying to like tell sword me that, that like, quiet in Metal Gear it was a very practical outfit for laying around in the sand sniping. Like that, No. That there's nothing practical about standing in your ripped ass well, fishnet. Well, she has to breathe through her skin somehow. <laughs> Sorry. It hurts my whole soul. <laughs> you should see the existential crises I go through approximately every 14 seconds playing that game. Okay, just like, look at character mods from Rainbow and you'll be happy. You're like, everyone has pants and sneakers or combat boots. And I can't see a hint of cleavage. Yeah, very practical. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you practically for combat? What are you thinking? Yeah, the least practical thing is Ash's braid. But she's an unmarried Israeli woman, so that shit's legit. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, All right, and I'll just say quickly the other thing that I'm playing because I got pulled into. I'm introducing my kid to all the various fandoms that is ultimate that are ultimately just gonna make me fucking broke. Uh, she, we, she's. I started her this year playing Pokemon. So I, I started her playing Pokemon Y, and she kind of got into Pokemon. And then she started collecting like little Pokemon stuffies. And then since it was the 20th anniversary of Pokemon, and they had Pokemon Day at one of the local stores, we went to Pokemon Day, and I was like suckered into buying all the 20th anniversary. Not all. Some of them, those shits were expensive. <laughs> yeah, because they were, and they were all cute, and they were like, "Buy one, get one, forty percent off today only." And I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool." And and then, but you found out like the twentieth anniversary stuffies that are like six or eight inches high were forty fucking bucks a piece. Yeah, they were not joking. Mm-hmm. Now this was a kid store. This was like, 
You've got to stop mean. paying for these things that are ridiculously overpriced. Let me pay mm. $20 to make this decision in a game. Let me play. Let me pay $800 mm -hmm. for this little six-inch stuffy. This is your fault, Sam. <laughs> it is. It no is. one else is playing Lego Dimensions, right? I oh, am. God. <sighs> okay, so... Okay, we were playing the hell out of that game, and then a cat adopted us, and we haven't been <laughs> able to do it, because cat... Yeah. yeah, we have a, we, we have two cats and a curious cat did not do not go well. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> yeah, we have two cats that just kind of sit there and and watch like the portals. Like, can I knock that down? Can I knock that down? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I'm horrible with collectible <laughs> games. So yeah, we play Lego Dimensions. I'm sorry. We have you like take, three you versions. Take out of the adjective there, and you are horrible with just buying games. But, yes, that's true. Um, we had three versions of Skylanders, and she doesn't know, but a fourth version came in the mail today. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and yeah. we tried Disney Infinity, but neither of us liked it. So we bought the first one and, like, you know, one small set of Disney Infinity figures, and then we were like, yeah, no, that shit's not for us. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a horrible parent, apparently. <laughs> now that we've talked about where everybody's paycheck is going, we should probably move on to the very boring part of what you did. Oh, that's not the boring part at all. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was part of it, so unfortunately. And, and I apologize. I should have told you drinking is, an, is a kind of a very important part of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all in academia, so we have to. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> Well, speaking yeah. of where paychecks are going to, uh, I am drinking a very nice Springbank 18-year-old whiskey. Well, ooh, I am also drinking that whiskey because I poured it for him. Lovely. It was our wedding whiskey, so it's kind of special for us. Oh. <laughs> I like any couple that has a wedding whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's a good that's thing to have. An important that's a good life. Yeah. And it was a good whiskey. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like whiskey. I like whiskey a lot. Yeah. What about you, Alicia? What you drinking, darling? Um, I've got another of the uh, Abita Purple Haze. Ooh, that's a nice beer. Mm -hmm. yeah. So good. You were supposed and to bring me a Purple Haze so I could try it, and I was going to switch. Really good. Oh, well, I've got I've got one left. I'll I'll put your name on it, and maybe it'll make it to you, and maybe it'll make it to my belly. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I was gonna switch you, switch you for the uh, peach coriander ale. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh huh. Okay, all right, yeah. I'll save, I'll save that last purple haze because I really want to try that shit. <laughs> also tonight, I had a pear cider. I had a meeting after school, and uh, you know I'm usually all about some ciders, but this was not my jam, y'all. What kind was it? It was it was Perry, P E R R Y. I should have known. Let you know right there. Which I know. Um. But uh, it was it was very fruity and and very juicy, but it was it was a little too sweet. Yeah, um, always a little too sweet for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I had some samples, and I also had a, a zombie dust, so that was good. Was you went to the cool. pint, didn't you? Yeah, I was at the pint. Uh, they had new they had new stuff today. So <laughs> there's a bar right down the street from campus, and right down the street from me. Well, they usually have a pretty good rotating selection, so they had new shit. I had to go in and check out the new shit. And it's uh, yeah. so you have to know this about the pint. There's a weird Indiana law that bars have to sell food. 
So they have one food item on the menu. What is it like a hot pocket? No, it's it's you can either get a ramen noodles or something else, and they're fifty bucks. Yes, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is like a hot pocket or 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 pizza rolls or something. Yeah, it's something or ridiculous. And the other one is ramen noodles, and yes, yeah, they're fifty dollars. I love them. They're but they do sell food. <laughs> if you like parmesan ramen or cup of noodles. Oh, it's like I, cup of noodles. Okay, that makes it better. Because if you angrily get down a pan, <laughs> it's like it's like cup of noodles. And that was when they first opened. That was the joke because they needed something that would like stay on the shelf like forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's legit. Yeah. it's a good bar. Well, <laughs> one thing to miss about the states is the beer selection. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> well, some of the states. Some of the states. Some of the states. <laughs> yeah. it, it depends on where you're at. But. Yeah. yeah. We, we have to. We often around here travel for beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We have like a pipeline that comes from Michigan that funnels us like better beer too. Mm-hmm. We moved from Seattle to Montreal, where they're like, "Oh, this is pretty hoppy," and you're like, "It's a pale ale. What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand what hops are? Do you know what they do? I think, they looked, I think maybe they looked at a hop plant while the beer was brewing. <laughs> there was one within about a hundred mile radius, mm-hmm. we think. Therefore, it's hoppy. You can get lots of maple beer, which is a choice. Um, hmm. Only one that's well is a Scotland. I think this is the uh, the first time that that somebody's managed to make Canada sound like an actual frozen hostile wasteland. <laughs> oh, just yeah, just just try to find uh, try to find beer. Uh, there there's some, but not nearly the selection that there is in places like Seattle or. Yeah, you need a Belgian style, but anything that's hoppy, like it's not real here. Mm. Well, Sam, maybe you should move because you don't like hobby beers. <laughs> I don't like hobby beers. Um, and I'm I'm from Michigan, so I lived really near Canada. And I don't <laughs> mind Canadian beers. I drank a whole lot of beer when I was a teenager in Canada. <laughs> eighteen. Yeah. Yep, eighteen. Uh, Bianca, what you drinking, babe? I am drinking. I'm a classy lady tonight. Oh, yes. and, uh, Alex made me a Manhattan. Oh shit! Yeah, we went to the. Um, I had a conference in Louisville. And the Bullet Bourbon Distillery mm-hmm. down there. So we went to that, and there's also a cookie factory right next to it. So it smelled like bourbon and cookies, and it was just like the most delicious smelling place. And I want to so like be buried that's, there. That's where we need to open our commune. Yes, right, right around there. Yeah, it was great. So we brought back some rye, and uh, now we're we're making Manhattans with it, and it's it's pretty. Pretty glorious. Um, so it takes about an hour to get to your house. Uh, Come on down. I got an air mattress for you. <laughs> <laughs> or you can snuggle with me. I would prefer that. Really. All right. <laughs> All right. I guess it's on me. Um, speaking of the Michigan pipeline. Uh oh. But we we actually have it at two of the two of the. Uh, yes. Yes, the, the beer store here in We did it. So we had we, we had uh, gotten some uh, beer from a Michigan cider house, Vandermill, 
uh, or some cider, I should say, from from a cider house, from a Michigan cider house, Vandermill. So we were kind of really for like the last year, like all over Vandermill ciders. So whenever anybody, there's a lot of Michigan folks would go like anywhere near Michigan, we would make them stop. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in Michigan and bring back all this Vandermill cider. <laughs> so we just started like inundating all the local um, beer and wine stores and all the local like bars like the pint with requests for Vandermill cider and they kept saying and like I know that the guys at the village bottle shop like the one over by me and the one on campus was they're not they're not shipping out of Michigan yet. They're not shipping out of Michigan yet. And I was like, well, you need to like stay on that. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, all of a sudden, last week, the village bottle shop started carrying Vandermill ciders. Oh. So it is indeed the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So I'm drinking my absolutely favorite cider from Vandermill, which is totally roasted. Um, which is a really, it was a dry apple cider, um, but it's got cinnamon, pecan, and vanilla in it. It is the best thing I have ever put in my mouth, I have to say. It's a beautiful thing. If you are in, ever anywhere near Michigan, I have to strongly suggest that you find a Vanderbilt cider. That's what I'm drinking. <laughs> Not for the fun stuff. <laughs> How about a chance to have a conversation about yeah. my game? About yes, about about your all-time favorite game. <laughs> it is up there. It is for sure up there. Mm -hmm. All right. So, thanks again for joining us, um, Lauren and Travis. Um, and we promised to 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 not uh, fangirl too hard on the game. <laughs> At least some of us do. I don't make that promise. Yeah. Fair enough. So let's get started with some questions. Bianca, do you want to start, darling? Sure. Um, I will. Uh, actually, I'm going to start with my question about the zombie genre in general. I feel like. To start. Yeah, I thought so too. Thanks, Alicia. All right. Glad you got my back. Um, <laughs> I'm here for you, man. <laughs> Whew, this Manhattan's already kicking in. Okay. So. Um, I love zombies. I'm going to start off with that. I wrote my master's thesis on zombies um, because I love them so much. And so I am really interested sort of like in situating this game within kind of that genre. And I'm wondering how you both think that the game converses with other zombie texts. Um, what conventions or traditions were you guys hoping to draw from? Um, and then how were you hoping the, that the game sort of diverges from the genre in like new, fun, exciting ways? Like how do you see the game situated and conversing with other texts from that, you know, deal with zombies and, and the undead? So for me at least, uh, State of Decay is kind of, kind of just an interesting intersection of two elements of mm. the sort of typical zombie fantasy. There's the... Uh, there's the, you know, zombies as sort of the external pressure on a group of characters to bring out inter interpersonal drama and, right. uh, and character development. Right. Um, and then there's also the kind of 
sort of related, but not really entirely connected uh, fantasy of how you would survive the complete breakdown of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think by f- making the game focused on the on the community as the actual point of interaction for the player, I think that's uh, that's kind of where it where we really diverged from at least a lot of the other interactive zombie media. You know, most other zombie mm-hmm. games are about you are you know you are an individual person. You are locked in a shopping mall with thirty thousand zombies. What do you do to get out alive? Yeah. Um, and so I think by bringing in that element of how do you manage these interpersonal relationships and how does how does the um, you know the the zombie apocalypse bring out those uh, those conflicts mm-hmm. um, is sort of I think where we sort of diverged from a lot of the other at least in the zombie uh, video games yeah. era. Because um, the interesting thing about the zombie genre I've always felt in terms of storytelling is that the zombies don't actually matter at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the zombies are an excuse to force a bunch of people into tense situations and not give them the pressure valve of getting away from each other or going back to their everyday lives. Yeah, right. A good zombie story could just as easily be set on a sinking submarine or in mm-hmm. the middle of an arctic blizzard or any number of other natural disaster type situations where mm-hmm. your lim- your mobility and your supplies are limited. Um, and so I think by uh, kind of bringing that to the fore um, was one of the really interesting things that we did with State of Decay, and that I, you know, I hope I hope very much that uh, the team at Undead takes that and keeps going with it even farther forward in uh, whatever the whatever future projects they have. Um, can I uh, uh, can I ask a, a follow up on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I I do think that is one of the really unique and, and amazing aspects of this game, and, yeah. and not just that. It focuses on the community and those interactions, but you cannot take that kind of rugged individualist approach right. to this game. Uh, I've read so many stories of people who didn't realize or didn't think that they could switch characters or didn't want to or whatever, and they, they always end horribly. Right? Somebody who tries to tough it out and play with just one character and they get tired and they get messed up and eventually they die. You have to have a community. Mm-hmm. You have to have a team to play this game. And, uh, I mean, that's that's... Really feminist, actually. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think that's kind of cool. That um, what you're saying is that for me, zombies you can always go back and you are your own worst enemy because you are potentially the thing that you are running away from. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know what's interesting is is what Travis was saying about like the collective um, sort of nature of having to deal with the zombie as the threat, and I feel like, um, Lauren, you were saying something about sort of the psychological impact of that, so I'm wondering if maybe you could expand on that again for us. <laughs> yeah, that just whenever you're facing a zombie threat, you become your mm-hmm. own worst enemy, Okay. because yeah. you could become the threat effectively. So when you're building yeah. a community, you choose who you associate with, you choose who you ostracize, and so you end up distilling the parts of you that you find the most important. And the things that you value more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Absolutely. At the same time, and at the same time, there's also an interesting kind of moral dimension to that because the survivors in that game are ultimately kind of expendable, right? I mean, they're effectively a limitless resource. The game is always going to keep spawning yeah. more groups yeah. of survivors for you to go rescue and recruit. So there's always this mm-hmm. kind of temptation of like, 
well, do I actually try to take care of everyone as much as I can, or do I just run these uh, run these certain people like uh, you know like like draft horses until they just can't go anymore, and then when they're when they're completely yeah. used up and I can't or no good to me anymore, just kick them out and say, well, good luck to you out in the wilderness. <laughs> And there are times when it is strategic to uh, to mm-hmm. kind of whittle your base down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's always really hard choice to make. Like it, it's it brings in this resource management aspect in State of Decay, except the resources you're managing are people. Mm-hmm. And you guys did a really good job of making them distinct people, mm-hmm. especially the ones who are kind of I mean it's a heartless to say, but the ones who are kind of useless. <laughs> um, or the ones who get on your nerves and you're just like, yeah, you know what, you can go. <laughs> Alan, we love you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yep. Or I swear in every breakdown game ever, I always get Pastor Will and I'm like, Pastor Will, I don't want to play with you. Nope. I'm going to leave you behind over and over and over. <laughs> you are not the only one. Awesome. Me, Pastor Will. <laughs> So awesome. I feel like this conversation is sort of actually leading into my my second question a little bit. You know, thinking about how we view, you know, the the zombies in the game. How we how we view, you know, the the people and the survivors in the game. Um, and so I think that one of those relationships that make us think about this is the relationship between like the civilians and the military. Um, and so I want, was hoping you both might be able to speak a little bit more about those interactions that occur between those, those groups and what kind of atmosphere you're hoping that that would kind of convey um, that sort of adds to this, this sort of zombie environment as well, like this, this, pre- the, this presence of the military in that. Yeah. Well, again, it goes it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where part of the fantasy is right. how will I survive when the entire world goes to shit? And mm-hmm. I think I think for very few of the people who like to imagine zombie apocalypse scenarios is for very few of them is the answer. And then the military came in and saved me. So mm-hmm. that kind of by its very nature of the game being about people pulling together and surviving on their own wits and merits, the military kind of has to be sort of ineffectual. And um, mm-hmm. there's, there are some seeds planted that um, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what the guys back at the lab are planning on doing with this moving forward with uh, with future projects. Mm-hmm. But um, there were definitely seeds planted in State of Decay that the military was not entirely on the up and up. Yeah. Even before the mm. the big reveal at the end, that they're spoiler alert, planning to you know, blow up the uh, you know, firebomb the entire valley. Like there's there's some stuff in there that mm-hmm. kind of hints that maybe they know a little bit more about what's going on than uh, than they than they're letting on. And that I think goes back to you know very you know very universal, well not necessarily universal, but very American uh, uh, feeling. Yeah the government, and you know, it's the, it's the same kind of feeling that birthed the X Files back in the '90s, and all this conspiracy, uh, oh yeah, you know, entertainment genre, and uh, mm-hmm. so, like. But at the same time, you know, I didn't want to portray the military as just a completely ineffectual joke. So that's why you have characters like uh, like mm-hmm. Sergeant Tan, who's you know kind of hamstrung by being part of this bureaucracy that's not really well equipped to deal with the situation that they've been thrust into but is still fundamentally a good person still trying to do the right thing as much as possible within the bounds of, uh, of what he can do mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting, like this playing off of these sort of like canonical <laughs> conspiracy theory representations, right, of like the military-industrial complex, um, but then sort of teasing that out into a lot of what the game does overall as well is doing those new different things with the way we think about zombies, the way we think about the, the military in the zombie apocalypse, right? Um, I think there's also something yeah. that you can play with about the idea of being in a crisis situation and you can try to be prepared as much as possible and have mm -hmm. all the training in the world, but it doesn't mean when something new happens you have any real effective coping mechanism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And that's one of the things that I like seeing the, the flip side of that with the Lifeline uh, DLC because it gives you not only a different area and a different perspective, but a different approach to the whole apocalypse as part of that perspective. Uh, and it's really fascinating to be able to play from different angles in this one little game. You know? Mm -hmm. It gives you a lot of perspective, I think, about what it means to exist in that moment. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate the game. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you appreciate the game. Thank <laughs> you. And we appreciate it for a whole lot of reasons, right? Yes. And mm -hmm. I, for me, and that kind of leads into my question, right? My one of my questions mm -hmm. um, is the the diversity of the narrative itself, right? We talked about the diversity of the characters, but just the diversity of the narrative. We were talking about. Um, interestingly enough, the the game in in class today, we were like the stories, right? The stories that come across in these in this game are not stories that we generally get. So, and I don't want to scoop because I know Alicia has some questions specifically about this. Uh, mm -hmm. But as a writer for the game that that this game that handles diversity so well, um, can yeah. you tell us what the research process looked like? How did yeah. you figure out? Um, how to write the stories that you do convey so well, so well. Um, well, I mean, obviously, I research pretty much everything that yeah. goes that went into the game, um, and I think the big thing for, particularly when you're talking about diversity and uh, and you know, accurately portraying experiences and lives that aren't your own, is like you can't just do that research out of a book. You have to actually go out and talk to real people who have lived those experiences. Okay, Travis, I'm going to need you to say that five more times. People, god damn it. They are out there, I promise you. media, there is no excuse. Oh, man. We should make shirts with that on it. And I just want to say... Because this is what I was talking about earlier, that, you know, people talk about, well, what do we have to do in order to appease the PC culture? Do we have to include, mm. like, a black person in every game and a queer person and a disabled person and this and that? You guys did. Mm -hmm. We were making a list, you know? Yeah. Like, and the only thing we couldn't find was somebody who was clearly trans. We've got uh, somebody... Who's... Funny story. Uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> Fairly late in development, we actually wanted to change Becca to being trans, and that was going to be the thing about her backstory that was revealed, not the fact that she used to be a sex worker, but the fact that she was transgender. And, and I was so down with that. 
She was down for it. The suit, everybody was excited to do it, and the problem was we could not get availability for the actor who played Quentin um, to come back in and re-record the lines, and so we couldn't do it. But I actually really was, like I really like Becca's storyline, and I want to talk about that in a bit. But uh, that's really funny that 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 was the plan. I think it was my sexy voice. That really inspired <laughs> this choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it is it is really great that that this yeah. game uh, comes through the way it does and includes all of these very realistic portrayals of lots of different kinds of people, people mm-hmm. who have different body types, different backgrounds, uh, different attitudes, different ethnicities. You know, we have a character whose disability is a, is a major plot point, um, and it. It's just the world. It's exactly. just the world reflected here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that that's really interesting to, to think about it in that way. But, how do I put this? Hmm. <laughs> All the answers. Um, it, it, is, it is amazing to me, um, especially as a... Um, black queer woman of size <laughs> to see characters <laughs> that are reflected um, of the characters like me reflected in games, right? And and it was funny because when one of the reasons I started playing this game is because Alicia was like, okay, so there's a Sam in this kit ca- in this game. <laughs> she's like, and she's black, and I just think she might be queer. So and I'm like, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Because I'm in the game and I want to, uh, I want to definitely see this. Um, and I have to say that I really appreciate it. Um, and and more than appreciating it, it, it gives me a kind of hope and faith in games that I had after 40 years of playing games. Good lord, um, actually started to lose. Um, and. And that's one of the things that I think, one of the reasons we keep coming back to State of Decay is because this game does it so well. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, that's exactly why we do it. I mean, that's I, I mean, that's the reason why I wrote the game the way that I did and why we cast the people that we did and we you know, made the characters that we did was because we were tired of not seeing our friends and family reflected in our entertainment. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of a perfect segue uh, for you, Lauren, into this question that I have about about voicing um, Lily and Becca, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the big question is, is as a voice actor, how closely were you required to stick to the script? Because we want to figure out why Lily and Becca said some of the things they did. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, up until the DLC VO recording, I trusted my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend, uh, that he knew what the fuck he was doing, and I was going to do my job and get my ass in the booth and <laughs> make it happen. Um, and then for the DLC, uh, he act- we had already moved to Montreal, and he was working on Assassin's Creed Unity, mm-hmm. and so they had hired another writer, um, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, Dale Bourne, I think, or maybe I'm having a stroke. Um, he had written new uh, lines for Beck, or for Lily, because being someone with lupus, clearly you're immortal in the zombie apocalypse. So <laughs> I got to come back and do sessions from Montreal and just like remote in like we are right now, and do pickups. And she had some curse words, 
And so in that session, I was like, excuse me, Lily does not curse. She would never say fuck. Lauren would say fuck all day, but Lily, that is not a thing. And so I actually ended up <laughs> doing some Lily some edits and that to make sure that she remained consistent mm -hmm. and what Travis had set up. Yeah, and from my perspective, you know, I, um, I think a big part of that comes down to trusting your actors. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was, that was always my view is, um, you know, we, we auditioned pretty extensively for the game. We were very happy with everybody that we cast, and we were lucky enough to be able to spend time before the sessions with, with most, if not all, of the actors to sit down and talk about, okay, this is your character, this is what's going on, this is how, what the world is like. And once you can tell that they understand the character and they know where that character is coming from, then, yeah, absolutely, I trust them to ad-lib or to say, hey, you know, this doesn't really sound quite right. Um, could I maybe say it this way instead? And also that's another thing that goes back to the, you know, the diversity point is, you know, if, um, if the actors who played Sam said, hey, you know, this doesn't really sound like something that I would say, then I'm gonna say, okay, well, yeah, I, I trust you. Go ahead and, uh, and you know, say it the way you would say it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's really mm -hmm. cool to your actors. I will say that I think that part of why I didn't feel the need to rewrite is that Travis knew my voice so well. And so I'm going to tell you a really awkward story. I don't say three words correct. <laughs> I don't say breakfast, probably, and artichoke correctly. I say <laughs> breakfast, probably, and artichoke. So it's one of those things that, like, we're in a session, and Kirk was our uh, voice director, and he's like, Lauren, say it again. You're saying probably wrong. And he's just like, nope, that's how she says it. Just leave it. Just leave it. But there's one bark where I was, or there's one line I say in the game where I say probably, and it feels so fucking fake and forced because I'm, like, trying really hard to say probably instead of probably. So, uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate this conversation because it brings a little levity because I have to confess that um, because I've spent more time with Lily than say with Alan otherwise Alan would have this, this dubious award I have spent more time yelling at Lily oh of course oh my god <laughs> you don't want to give me a pony no. When we started recording that character, that this was going to be the most thankless role in the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lily's really important, but sometimes I'm like doing something, and here comes the call, like, "Oh, I'm like, you know, there's not a lot of time on some of this," and I'm like, "No shit, really, it's the apocalypse. Come on." <laughs> but you need to get back to give me my lupus meds. Sorry. <laughs> Shut up, Lily. I got it. Ah. I will say when the game first came out, I was, like, stalking the internet for positive reviews to show him what good work he had done. And, like, I found some guy whose wife had lupus, and, like, he wrote this thing about how the game made him cry because he, we portrayed what it was like to have lupus so well. And to, like, see that for his wife and to be able to, like, show her that, like, her story mattered and that people could understand through this medium was huge for him, so... Aww. Yay! <laughs> Can we say that again to over and over? Like yes. representation matters. Yeah. And then Becca happened in an hour and a half. So, like, right, well, yeah. is it okay if I go ahead and ask about yeah. Becca because I have some yeah. I have some some questions. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of things that this game does that other other games just don't do. You have a playable, 
female I- Indian character, which I don't think has ever happened in the history of yeah. games. Um, you know, with the uh, the year one edition, mm-hmm. uh, you have a, a character in your base, an integral member of your team who is disabled. You, we have lots of black characters who can survive the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> and you have a positive portrayal of a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and it's not played for laughs. It's not stereotypical. It's this young woman who's trying to reinvent herself and doesn't want overriding prejudices to get in the way of that uh, and just trying to survive the apocalypse. So mm-hmm. I was just really curious why... Especially now that we know that 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 almost didn't happen that way, that mm-hmm. there was almost a wholly different storyline for her. Um, how was the initial decision? How did that decision evolve to give Becca a past in sex work and and to not have it played in a way that's more standard? I mean, I'm glad you didn't, but I'm just curious how that came about. Um, so it kind of so the way I approached developing the stories for all of the uh, all of the characters and or not necessarily all of the characters but all of the discrete storylines. So you know there was Quentin and Becca, there was the people at the courthouse, there was the Wilkerson boys. Um, the way I kind of tried to approach each one was to say, okay, what are some of the either iconic post-apocalypse stories, or what are the kinds of story what are the kinds of stories that you could tell when society has completely collapsed and there's a clean break between what came before and what came after. And some of those were, you know, kind of the obvious expected things like, oh, there's, you know, there's obviously there's someone who's going mad with power trying to trying to ensure the survival of the human race at any cost. There's people mm-hmm. that are trying to spin things to their own personal advantage. Um, but one of the things that I kind of hit on in my early brainstorming that I hadn't really seen very much in post-apocalyptic literature was the idea that this is a really good opportunity to reinvent yourself. You know, it's something that, um, you know, that we, that we as a culture have kind of lost, you know, 500, 600 years ago, it was really easy to just up and move stakes to the next village 20 miles down the road and say, no, my name's not Steve, my name's Bob, and I've from, I'm from the north part of the country, not the south part, and no one would ever know because you didn't have, you know, driver's licenses and birth records and all this, all, all this uh, you know, information about you out there in the world. And so I kind of started with the idea of, well, it would be interesting to have a character who saw the apocalypse as an opportunity to reinvent themselves and kind of correct what they felt were the mistakes of their past and kind of you know, start fresh with a, uh, with a, with a clean slate. Um, and then from there, we just kind of, well, you know, what kind of things would would prompt that? And you know, there, you know, you could do a, you could do somebody with a criminal record, or you could do somebody who had, um, uh, you know, screwed people over in business or something like that. But um, ultimately, just after, kind of after banding around a bunch of ideas, we settled on the idea of of a character who was a former sex worker. And a big part of that was exactly what you said that we don't see that done well very often in, uh, in games. Most of the time when a character is a prostitute or a former prostitute, it's an excuse for them to dress really skimpily and act mm-hmm. very flirtatious and be this kind of male sexual fantasy. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I was tired of that shit. <laughs> Becca's tough and capable and smart and, mm-hmm. you know, being a sex worker is just part of who she was. It just exactly. is. And that was, that was kind of how I approached every character in the game. Was I didn't want anybody defined by any one particular trait. Everybody mm-hmm. had something about them 
that was kind of out of the mainstream or the you know the the heteronormative patriarchal expectations of society. Able-bodied cis white dude. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I never wanted to be defined by that, which yeah. is also why most of none of the minority characters really have uh, a discernible accent. Was another reason for that. Like I wanted to show that you know there you know people assimilate and people you know not every person with an Asian last name sounds like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. That that's not okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. Imagine. And I think honestly, that's why people don't recognize that back as Asian. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it's really it's really hard. I think you know, especially playing on like the Xbox. It may be different for people who play on PC, but I'm across the room, and you know, I'm busy because there's zombies. <laughs> and she doesn't really have I mean, other than other than her appearance, which you can only see if you manage to get really in close, like close enough to actually see the details of the model's face. Like she doesn't have anything that, anything about her really that codes Asian, right? She doesn't have an Asian name. She doesn't have an accent. She doesn't have a dragon tattoo. Wish <laughs> <laughs> really. <sighs> but it it does make me really happy, and I will I will go back and uh and correct my numbers. And voiced yeah. by an Asian American actress. Yeah. So that's the other. And you know how often does uh does that actually happen in a respectful? <laughs> I will say the thing I am the most proud of that I've done this year was I was able to get an Asian Canadian voiced by an Asian Canadian, written by an Asian American, into Rainbow Six. And that was the DLC we just released. Frost is voiced yeah. by Julie Tamiko Manning. And she plays Tina Linsang. She's a Chinese-Canadian woman voiced by a half-Japanese-Canadian woman. Like, Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, that's yeah. huge for me. Yeah. And in Rainbow Motherfucking Six, like, we're the yeah. secret to first game, like, nobody realizes how many minorities I snuck into that game. <laughs> like, no fucking clue. They're like, oh, that guy's First Nations Russian? What? Like, nobody knows. Yeah. And, like, the guy who looks like 1990s Bruce Willis is half Cuban. Like, nobody knows. Yes. Yeah. We have a French Algerian mute, the guy, he's British East Indian, and nobody knows. Like, they're like, no, he's British. I'm like, his last name's Chander, motherfucker. Like, that dude's Indian. Like, come on, kids. But so, this is good. No. This is how it should be, so that it's not like a big deal and not tokenized. Just yeah. yeah. There are people in this world, and they're not all white guys with brown hair. No offense, Travis. Disabled. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's his own minority. Like. <laughs> Being as a black guy with brown hair, I'm fucking tired of seeing people like me everywhere. <laughs> yes. And he's tired of writing people like him. <laughs> so yes. I, I have one question that uh, that wasn't on my list, but it just occurred to me, and I'm, it's a burning question. Are you are you ready? Mm-hmm. A little build up there. Ooh. So my favorite of the kind of side moments and, and offshoots in the game, my very favorite moment in the main storyline is is Andy Pym's. <laughs> the tragic story of Andy Pins. Oh, Andy. And I have to say that I love that he was then in Breakdown as a playable hero, and he's one of the two people I choose most often to play as, because Andy Pim's a bad motherfucker. Um, but that storyline with Sam, that demonstration of her vulnerability, because she's been so tough, such a good little moment. 
finding him in the bathroom and he's all messed up. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a good game, you guys. Y'all done good. No, super proud of it. <laughs> and it was the first time we got to work together, like, on purpose. <laughs> but that that aside, I had I had one last question I wanted to bring up. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if I can do it without dying, hang on one second. <laughs> oh, poor Alicia! I had, to, I had to briefly die, and it's funny because this is about this is about Lily's lupus and the medicine, in fact, in general. Um, so. Early on, it's a thing. You get sent to get supplies and medicine, and, and one of the sneaky reasons is because Lily needs meds. Mm -hmm. uh, that her 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 lupus doesn't come up as often. I thought it was going to be a driving thing at first, the first time I played through the game. But then it, you know it comes and goes. But there are other elements, like the fact that there's like one doctor roaming around trying to help everybody. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if there were times in the planning sessions, early writing sessions, where you thought about focusing more of like immediate medical needs for the community, because there are a number of plot lines that touch on it, um, or if it just it was always planned to just be part of the patchwork of what makes surviving the apocalypse so difficult. Um. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's definitely, as, as with any video game development, you know, there's always stuff that's left on the cutting room floor, either because of right. time or budget or, uh, or scope. Um, in the specific, in the particular case of Lily and her lupus meds, that was mostly driven, honestly, by technical constraints. Um, we knew that we needed someone who could be permanently on the radio because we, you know, we were an XBLA game, which meant we had a hard uh, two gigabyte size limit, uh, which meant that our budget for VO lines was pretty tight, so yeah. we, couldn't have, we couldn't go with the, uh, we, we knew that we couldn't have, like, the radio just be an assignable job, like all the other jobs in your home base, because we didn't have enough, you know, Lily has something like 900 lines of uh, radio-specific chatter, we couldn't, have, we couldn't have done that for six different voices, it would have been way too much. Right. We needed somebody who had a reason to always stay around the base. And if it was just, well, this is just the person that always stays around the base, then you'd kind of come to resent them and be like, well, why the hell aren't you out gathering supplies? <laughs> so we, need, we knew we needed something that would that would be a, a plausible reason. Um, you know, we talked about having her be in a wheelchair, but that, you know, requires a whole new set of animations, and we only had um, one, or we had, I think... I think we had one or two, only one or two animators on the project, and there wasn't enough time to do a complete new set of somebody in a wheelchair animations as much as we would have liked to. Um, and so we came up with, so we, and so we bounced around a bunch of different, um, you know, autoimmune diseases, cancers, different things that it could have been that could be that would be debilitating, but would still allow her to use uh, the same uh, character mesh and animation as all the other characters. Uh, and lupus came up as something that fit the bill, as something that was manageable with medication, but could potentially be life-threatening without it. Um, but ultimately, we also knew that, again, for the same reason of the voice requirements, that we couldn't ever actually kill Lily. Right? Like, she could never actually die of lupus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, any, and so any, any attempt to use that to create danger or tension is a false tension, because that there's never actually going to be a consequence. Mm. 
Um, and so that was kind of why we made the decision to you, to introduce it at a, in that early mission uh, and to kind of explain why Lily is the one that stays behind and, uses, and stays on the radio and coordinates everything, but then to kind of let it fade into the background because there was never really any yeah. way we could get mechanical teeth. Well, mm. I, I got to say, if necessity is, was the mother of invention here, uh, well played. <laughs> <laughs> because oddly enough, I in, until... Until Lily, I always assumed, I was like, so what happens to, you know, people in the zombie apocalypse who have um, medication-dependent diseases? Mm-hmm. And usually like, the only thing that comes up is diabetes. Right, because mm-hmm. so, it's always about, and yeah, but they always die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever there's a diabetic in a post-apocalyptic setting... They always die Mm -hmm. because they can't get insulin. They always find, like, one vial of insulin in an abandoned house. Because they're always type 1, man. Yes. You've got to get a type 2 diet in LA. Right? Just get some genuine. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Canada gave me diabetes, by the way. Man. Canada. Lack of good beer. Okay, they didn't bother to get my medical history, so they gave me a bunch of steroids, which blocked my pancreas and gave me diabetes. Oh. Welcome oh. to Canada. Um, yeah, I'm breaking all this like beauty of hey, everybody, run away from Trump and go to Canada. Like, <laughs> yeah. Their selection's not as good. If you end up in a French hospital, they may kill you. Like, yeah. Damn it, Canada. That was exciting. Can we come across the border to go to the doctor and then go back to Canada? That's all I need to know. Maybe not. They'll give you diabetes. Yeah. That's why I said, can we come across the border into the U.S. and oh, okay. then go back and live in Canada? Yes, because we had a friend who couldn't get work here as a nurse, so he worked at an ER in Vermont. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, that whole, like, it's real easy, it's a lie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just talk to anybody who's come here, like, on a spouse open work visa. We will dispel every rumor you've ever heard. <laughs> you guys are breaking all kinds of new ground tonight, talking yeah. about actual diversity in video games, Canada sucking. <laughs> um, what else? What else you got? Uh, it was zero Fahrenheit today, and we were on a blizzard warning for, like, the last two days, and it just didn't show up. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Oh well, we get see we're in we're in Indiana. It's always zero fucking Fahrenheit here. <laughs> I can't get used to it. I'm from San Diego, and this, oh, this is I'm from Long Beach, so ah yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> Snowcal girls don't know what to do with the snow. Difficult. No, that's real. And Travis is from Florida originally, so I don't know how he's not frozen every day. <laughs> it's the whiskey. That'll do it. See, I'm from Michigan. I'm used to it. Yeah. You've conditioned your bloodstream to accept this. It's tolerable. (laughs) You're born in Michigan, and they just throw your ass into the snow and was like, live. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I I got I got one one last little thing. Uh, Just just kind of in response to something Travis said. That you you decided finally to give Lily this condition in order to uh, to keep the player from being resentful, uh, you failed because there were definitely some times when I yelled back, "Lily, get the fuck out there and do it yourself." It's so important. Well, so. But how long did it take? A while. 
definitely took a while before my sympathy wore away, and then I was like, God damn it, Lily, shut up. Shut up, Lily! <laughs> and really, that's the programmers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was one of the things, like, when the first game first came out, came out, there was the bug that she kept asking you for the fucking horse. Oh. Yes. Right. She kept asking you, "Did you get me a pony? Did you get me a pony?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's funny. Once, yeah. like, not three hundred times. Or, change, because change the rate of fire. Like every time." That line was supposed to play once out of ten thousand times, and I don't know why that conditional didn't work right. Well, the one I get a lot. The one I get a lot, and and when I say a lot, I, I have probably now at least seven hundred hours in the two versions of the game. I really like this game. Um, is, uh, is a graduate degree. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it was part of the essay that I wrote that got me into my program, by the yes, way. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> it really? Yeah, I didn't it was, know that. It was that. part of my, my critical piece. Oh. Um, I've written a lot about this game, you guys. I'm not lying. <laughs> so and you're, both, you're both at Purdue, right? Yeah, we're yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. So a half-human operator graduated from oh, Purdue. Yeah. all on my game. And Yay. we just fixed the typo. Oh, it actually says Purdue now, and not some weird French chicken restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we know that typo well. Yeah. Oh, I was pissed when I found out about that typo. And that's just because someone was like, oh, they obviously mean me. And I'm like, oh. I I'm just really, really grateful that somebody who works in games writing actually cares about typos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I used yes. to run a literary journal and a uh, small press, so it drives me crazy. <laughs> me too. I I used to edit two different magazines. Wow. Uh, it's a small yeah, Long world. Beach literary journals. They're I so know we have all these connections, but <laughs> all of this was to say that that Lily's line that I get the most is, "We'll crack open a cold one for you." Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. that one makes me mad. I'm like, no, you won't. No, you won't, Lily. <laughs> There's no beer, Lily. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> and depending and on now I'm just picturing her like opening like a cold, dead zombie's body. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks Danny. We know what that looks like, or at least what the inside of human bodies look like. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I've seen the insides of a lot of people. See, that's the that's the funny story. I love this game and I love the graphics and we talked about like getting getting your entrails ripped out. My mother has a fear of zombies. And she was last time she was visiting, she she came out of the guest room and it was like the middle of the night and I was playing State of Decay. And so she comes in and you know, she's not really into video games and she plops down next to me and so on the sofa in the game room. She's like, So what you playing? I'm like playing a zombie game, I can turn this off and turn something else on. She's like, no, 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 it's okay. And so I'm playing, and all of a sudden I get caught by a fucking zombie horde, and of course, I get ripped apart, and my entrails are like being ripped out of me, and my mother my mother looks at me, she goes, okay, good night, and gets up and walks away. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't handle this shit, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> my mom loves zombies. My mom loves zombies so much. My grandmother, her mom, loves loved zombies. Like we, that like there on um, there's a matrilineal love of zombies in my family, and that is what I love about my mom. <laughs> so 
much is that we can sit down and just watch zombies just eat a person and be like, oh, wow, cool, yeah, mother-daughter bonding right now. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I don't send Pickle out of the room if I'm watching a zombie thing or if I'm, that's my two-year-old. Um, that's not her real name. Uh, it might as well be. If I'm playing a game or I'm watching something, cause she, she gets really into it and she'll like sit on the couch next to me and start punching and kicking the air going, hi-ya, hi-ya, uh. <laughs> she will fight with me. Um, so Aww. it's pretty it's pretty adorable. It makes me feel better about the terrible parenting of exposing the child to the violence um, <laughs> by watching the child respond cutely to It's just good violence. training. Right. I feel yeah. like, if nothing else, my children will know how to survive the apocalypse because they know how to build traps and weapons. Yeah. There you go. They know how to yeah. problem solve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Prioritizing important life skills here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Amazing. So we have one question that we ask everyone uh, once we mm -hmm. ask all of our list of, of required questions, <clears throat> and that is, is there anything that we didn't ask that you would have liked for us to ask? In other words, is there anything you want to tell us? Hmm. Hmm. I think this is the thing I'm the most proud of. Really? That's yeah. great. Like, it was the first time that Travis and I got to work together on purpose. Like, I joked about mm -hmm. that before. Like, I've mm -hmm. been a sounding board for him on other projects, but, like, this is the first time that we got to work together on purpose. And it all happened on accident. Um, the team was really small, and it was, like, 23, 25 people, maybe. And there were only two or three women working on the project. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they were like, we need someone to come do temp video. And Travis is like, well, my girlfriend's an actress. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> and so I came in, and they had like two hours to do like maybe 30 lines or something. And I did three different mm -hmm. voices. I did um, Maya, Lily, Sam for the temp video. And I finished in 15 minutes. And the audio director was like, oh, shit, you're a real actress. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so then the next day, like a couple of days later, uh, the producer, Finney, took Travis out to lunch. He was like, oh, by the way, Lauren's Lily now. And I was like, oh, good to know. <laughs> I was just doing you guys a favor, hoping to get some shit for my reel. <laughs> like, and, yeah. yeah, it's just a very happy accident that this all mm -hmm. happened and I felt a need. Because originally, I think they were going to try and have Maya do Maya and Lily because there was the one like actress that they liked her voice enough to want to hear all day. But that would have been the most awkward. Like, I think it's weird when I lead you to my own death. Like, yeah. when, right? like I think that's what, like, Could you imagine Maya talking to herself the whole fucking game? <laughs> my favorite <laughs> is if you're playing is like one person and you get, you have a character with you who's the same person, so you end up giving yourself like a pep talk. Yeah. Those are the best yeah. moments. I love that. Yeah, that's always fun yeah. with the, uh, the only having six voices in the game. But it's great. Mm -hmm. It's one of those quirks that mm -hmm. help make the game what it is. I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> New friends, where are you? I'm feeling better like Maya. Uh, I, I am feeling, like now that we've had a conversation, less alarmed when you speak to me. Like, oh shit, there's something I have to be doing. Somewhere there's a feral, but I must, I must go help. I can wait till tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> Just some of your friends might be dead. 
<laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. What about you, Travis? Was there anything you wanted to add? Oh, jeez. I don't know. It's, um, you know, I mean, I guess the only thing really to add is, you know, it's just it's really nice to hear from, uh, from, from people that really recognize what we were trying to do with the game in terms of, you know, the diversity and the, the experience and really connected with it because that's... I mean, that was that was certainly very much at the forefront of my mind when I was when I was coming up with all these characters and uh, and and writing everything. Was I was trying to make a, an experience that kind of reflected the actual world. And so to hear people to hear that that resonated with people is is really always very nice. So thank you. <laughs> well, this has just been one big happy love circle. Yeah. I had it's a real good day before this, like I have to tell you. <laughs> like, this has turned around incredibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's legit. Like I got yelled at by a meter maid when we parked the car. It was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> me in French, realized I didn't speak French, then yelled at me in English. <laughs> so you could just shake your fist at the sky and say, Canada! <laughs> it might have not been that polite. <laughs> Fuck you, Canada! <laughs> it was it was definitely a moment. <laughs> wow, I've never heard so much anti-Canadian sentiment. I know life. it's like shocking. I'm not, I know. I don't know where I'm gonna move. I president. like, but I'm really trying to do my civic duty as an American to keep Democrats in the United States. So. <laughs> Uh, we need you to vote in state-level elections so that we don't have congressional, like, oh, we need congressional approval. Listen to Hamilton. It's real. Um, God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How do you know we're all Democrats? <laughs> if you're not a Democrat, I need you to vote for Rubio or Cruz, whichever one's doing better that week. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I can't even right there. Yeah. <laughs> when, when when Rubio and Cruz are the better options, yeah. Can we not talk about that's this right not, now? We just had such a love fest. <laughs> it makes you want to summon a zombie apocalypse, right? No. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty confident about that. Lee and Maya and Sam, it'll and Becca, it'll be fine, right? Yeah, it'll yeah. be great. But whatever. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. You guys are yeah. lovely. Well, we're, we're two for two now with State of Decay related podcasts that just end up being really entertaining. So mm-hmm. we're just going to have to do this regularly. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to become a regular old every week State of Decay podcast. Well, I'm never going to let the game die, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that, because I heard a rumor about Lily back, which I thought was great that someone posted it on my Twitter, and I was like, oh, cool. No one's talked to me, so... Well, they have to bring Lily back. Yeah. It was one of those, like, I'm glad you guys announced it in a Twitch stream that I didn't know about. We're moving to Sweden, so that's going to get weird. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's legit, we're moving to Sweden, so... Oh. Are you move, you're moving to Sweden for real? Yeah, we're uh, transferring to Ubi Studio in Sweden, so we'll be working at Massive and living near Copenhagen. Oh, wow. 
I have some uh, I have some friends who expatriated to Sweden, so we're gonna have to go drink some real good Swedish beer. Uh, you know, I can give you some names. <laughs> I'll we'll have to go. Be happy to help. Because <laughs> <laughs> all the people at the studio, and we're all gonna be real busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no mm -hmm. doubt. That is the downside of doing any any kind of work like this is that uh, it does suck your soul, your life, and all your time. Yes, it does. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> life and so all your time. All I do that appreciate it, and then it's all worth it again. <laughs> Damn yeah. Well, Legit. we do appreciate it. So. I think I'm gonna. When we're done, I'm probably gonna go play. You know, yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> I'm all fired up now, and I'm I'm the one because everybody else likes different things, but I I'm I'm the breakdown player. That's that's my jam, and uh, I know a lot of people complain that breakdown just has the one map and you redo it over and over, but I think that really adds to the experience. Actually, the sameness mm. it brings a hopelessness. Like yeah, we're gonna do all this stuff. We're gonna fix the RV again. Yes, Lily, I know it needs new tires. <laughs> uh, no, we can't just bang on the motor for a while. Uh, <laughs> But uh, you know, and then you you build up and you peel out and you, you circle right back to the same place. You're like, okay, let's do it all again. <laughs> I love it. I love this game. Oh, you know, if Alan would stop and ask for freaking direction. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, we did promise to be respectful of your time, mm -hmm. like two hours ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said, highlight of my day right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are welcome to come back anytime you want yeah. and talk to us more about State of Decay or anything new you're working on. We would yeah. love to have you. Yes, um, once you get settled in Sweden, you can bring some of your new Swedish coworkers. So we can talk yeah. about whatever's happening there. Possibly, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Annie Reed is fantastic. If you haven't uh, looked her up or know who she is, she's pretty awesome. She's, I believe, she, her title is the lead writer on the division, Ooh. and she's one of the other writers at um, Ubi in Sweden. And she used to be at Capcom, and so she worked on a bunch of stuff for them. Ooh. She's great. Sounds <laughs> good. Nice. So, with that, I think that brings us to the end of episode 122. Yay! Mm -hmm. Yay. <laughs> um, and as I said before, thanks so much to Lauren Stone and Travis Stout for joining us to talk about State of Decay um, and, and and the diversity that we love so much in this game. Yes. Um, oh, thank and, you for having us. Yeah. So... Until next time, when we get together for episode 123, where we pro promise to have something else fun and exciting <laughs> that I'm not going to say out loud. I just think I never say what's coming up next, just in case it falls into the into the shitter, because sometimes that happens. I promise it's cool, though. <laughs> I have a feeling it's always cool. <laughs> that is how we roll, or we try Stop. to. We try really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so until then, everybody, stay warm, stay dry, and as always, my friends, game on. Game, game on. on. Game on.